What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And he swings! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Arm Layton, and in today's episode, we have an interview with Tigers top pitching prospect, Jackson Job. Really excited for you all to hear this interview because Job is point blank one of the most talented pitching prospects in minor league baseball. That's why he was taken number three overall in the 2021 draft. And as a guy who just turned 21 years old, already looks like he has a lot more polish to him than most prep right-handers that you're going to find. There's some interesting things about his story and how late he started really focusing on pitching that makes it even more fascinating, which we get into in the podcast and things I didn't even know. But more importantly, it was just really awesome to hear from Job about you know how the last year has gone for him because he was somebody that got off to a really solid start to his professional career, handling Loe really well in 2022 as a 19-year-old and then getting that bump up to high A for his final few starts of the year where the strikeout numbers were down, but he was able to hold his own, put together some quality starts, and ultimately was able to come away with some ideas of what he needs to work on and what he needs to focus on going into the next season, which were some things that we talk about in this episode as well. But of course, as happens with so many young players, things don't always go as planned. And unfortunately, He went down with a back issue that, of course, the Tigers wanted to be very cautious with, given how valuable uh, their prized prospect Jackson Job is. And he talked about that, how he felt like it was a lot more precaution than anything, an understandable precaution for the nine-month layoff between starts for him professionally. But he didn't really get to get back on the field in terms of pitching in a live game situation until mid-June. And that was at the complex and really didn't start getting stretched out to, you know, four innings up until mid-July. So he's still just getting his feet back under him from that long layoff. But you wouldn't be able to tell by the way he's throwing on the mound because he looks like he's been throwing for a while, which he has. And that's the other really interesting part of it that we talked about was You see most guys coming off the IL, especially after an extended stint of just not really pitching in game setting, and there's rust. There was not much rust from the word go from Jackson Job as he returned this year. He was humming at the complex upper 90s. The stuff looked really good. And then now as he's gone back-to-back starts of five innings in high A, you've seen the stuff sustained deep into starts. As he talked about, not to spoil the whole episode, he was able to spend plenty of time throwing and getting himself right because... They gave him a little extra cushion to kind of come back and work back off of that injury that he dealt with in his back. So that was some important context as to one, why there's a lot of reason to believe that Job can finish this year very, very strong. And two, 
to feel very comfortable in the idea that maybe that injury wasn't as bad as you know some may have thought or you know maybe the the layoff would indicate it was more precautionary which was a lot of the things I had heard before and I'd mentioned that on the podcast before but uh, it's never better than to hear it from the person himself who went through it I got to say, though, for a 21 year old right hander who didn't really start pitching until late in his high school career, Job is one of the more cerebral pitchers that that I've talked to in the minor leagues. And, And by that, I mean, he's just a very and you'll see in the live breakdown that we did, which is also linked in this podcast description. You should definitely go check that out. It's the second half of the YouTube video, uh, the YouTube version of this interview that I did with him that you can get the full live breakdown on StreamYard that I think you'll really enjoy. It was just really impressive the way that he thinks about attacking hitters, how in tune he is with himself already, how well he knows his own arsenal, which is interesting because he is still developing that changeup that has made some big strides this year in the early going and added a cutter, but he already knows how he wants to weaponize those things. He trusts his catchers, but also feels really good about the way he wants to attack hitters, and I love the balance of that as well. We talk about the jump and induced vertical break that he's enjoyed this year. I mean, you can't really paint a much better picture off of the IL than what Jackson Job has painted this year. With some of the unknown and, and the injury, I think we kind of saw him slip off of some top 100 lists, and I think just the risk that comes with the profile of a hard-throwing high school righty. But again, you kind of learn a little bit more that this injury you know, may not have been as big of a deal as, as some may have thought in the beginning. And then also you see how he's throwing right now. And then also you see the the makeup and, and how smart of a pitcher he is. This is a guy that I think will, will very quickly climb his way back into the top prospect lists in terms of being one of the best pitching prospects in the game. In terms of sheer talent, I think he's one of the best pitching prospects in the game. And then having those you know makeup aspects to kind of push him over the top and the athleticism as well. This is somebody that I think is going to enjoy a lot of helium down the stretch of this year and ride that into next year with a lot of momentum. And I think we'll, we'll definitely solidify himself as one of the more exciting arms in the minor leagues as he's already starting to do that upon his return. We will get to the interview with Job in just a moment here. But before that, I got to tell you about the card market, which is really heating up in the second half of the season. And the only place to search for cards is alt.xyz. That's alt.xyz. It's the only platform that allows you to search all major marketplaces and eBay at once. You just download the free alt app, which is linked in our podcast description. Type a player or card in the search bar and Alt will return every graded card available for sale. Even better, you can save your search and be notified every time that card is available if you weren't able to find what you wanted to find. You'll never use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again. For me, there's prospects I'm always trying to buy going into this year, Colt Keith being one of them, and maybe the inventory wasn't totally crazy out there because not a lot of people were selling Colt Keith or whatever it may be. I could put the notifications on alt and be notified every single time a Colt Keith card was put up for sale. And if it was for a price that I thought was attainable, I would go out and buy it. That's exactly what you can use this app for. It's also a great place for sellers as well. You can maximize your card sales by reaching a global audience of passionate collectors across multiple marketplaces. And they also have the fastest pricing tool in the hobby, their instant pricer is one of the coolest tools and a very popular tool that was used at the National uh, that I was just at recently where 
You just need a photo of the card and you can get all relevant transaction data at your fingertips. You can access market data and information around the card, including transaction history, population count, card value, as well as sports and player specific market trends, which is also very cool. It is the easiest way to get an idea of what your card may be worth that you may be pulled or that you bought or that you want to sell. So check out alt.xyz and download that app for free with the link in our podcast description so they know that we sent you. Let's kick it now to the interview with Jackson Job of the Detroit Tigers organization and also a reminder to check out that live breakdown, which is also linked in our podcast description. And here's Tigers top pitching prospect Jackson Job, who has been looking sharp as can be over the last couple of starts. I appreciate you taking the time on your off day here in between strong starts to kind of talk about what you've been doing out there, Jackson. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited. So let's just start with the last couple starts and, you know, we'll, we'll work back to the, you know, getting back off the IL and getting rolling and, and even just your start to pro ball. But I got to start with what's happened recently where, I mean, I saw the data on some of those rehab starts that was really exciting, but it's like, okay, that's one inning. But when you see you kind of stretch it out to four, five innings, five innings plus, and the stuff is just still staying upper nineties. You look nasty. The, the command is there. You look like a guy that never really hit the IL. How are you feeling right now? And you know, how awesome is it to have those two high A starts now under your belt where, you know, you, you felt like Jackson Joe. Yeah. I mean, it feels great. Um, taken it, it was probably nine months since I, since I had hit the mound. So, it definitely feels good to be back. Um, definitely wanted to make up for some time um, that I lost, obviously missing almost half the season. So wanted to get off to a hot start. So, you know, I'm happy with, with where I'm at right now. Um, and just want to keep being consistent and continue to continue to keep getting better and continue to learn. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot throughout the process and um it feels good that I feel like it's starting to starting to pay off a little bit, all the work. So what, what did you feel in that last start? Because you, you had the first high A start, you know, against Fort Wayne and you punched out nine, you look solid. The, there were the, the three long balls that you scattered uh, and, and ultimately turned in a really solid start. But then the next start to just be lights out, you know, five innings, a shutout ball, no walks and six strikeouts. And between those two outings, you walk nobody. So, so the command has just been there. And that, that's something that we're going to talk about when we do the live breakdown. What stands out to me is even your misses are like good misses. You know, there's not really a lot of non-competitive pitches. You just seem like a guy that really feels good right now. And uh, what can you kind of speak to over the, the, even those last two starts about what's kind of just gotten better and better for you and, and to have that best start of the year being the most recent one. Yeah. I think like you said, the command is the biggest part of even have my, having my misses be, competitive misses. Um, and even going back to my first start in high where I did give up three home runs, um, but had however many punches and went back with, um, our coaches and tried to figure out what I could have done better and this and that. And, um, you know, even some of those two out of three of the home runs were pitches that were out of the zone yeah. and they just put really good swings on it. Um, so it was kind of like just tipping the cap to them. I mean, they're, they're a hot lineup the whole week. Um, they put some good swings on some good pitches. So I really just try to not overthink it too much. And obviously no walks is good. So yeah. I'm around and down. So I was like, I'm just going to take that into this next outing and continue to trust my stuff. And 
and and that's what I did. So um gonna keep rolling with with that mindset and obviously there will be things to adjust um down the road. But right now I'm just trying to keep it simple, attack the zone with my best stuff and kind of just go from there. You talk about being on you know, between appearances on the mound nine months. I mean, it's a very, very long time and it, not really having that opportunity to, to totally ease in. Like I, I know the Tigers were relatively careful with you, but at the same time, like I, it was awesome just kind of seeing you get those rehab appearances under your belt and boom, you know, not only are you pitching now more stretched out, but you're back up to high a where you, you were at at points last year before you went down. When, you kind of look at what you've been able to do so quickly. When did the the command really start to click for you in terms of coming off the IL? Cause I imagine, you know, almost a year off, it's gotta be a little while to get your body back in sync and everything. But even going back to those early rehab appearances, you weren't really walking anybody. So was that something that kind of came back in the bullpens? Did you kind of just feel refreshed almost after coming off the IL? Like what has allowed you to be around the zone and so consistent with such a big layoff and, you know, a, a pretty unique injury with, with it being your back? Yeah. So they, they took a pretty conservative route as they should, like young guy come out of high school pitcher. Like you obviously know, like pitchers have more injuries than most guys. So, I honestly had a lot of time um, during my rehab, during my buildup of, of throwing bullpens, throwing lives, like being able to dive into my mechanics and being able to figure out what's happening with my misses and what's happening mechanically to keep me out of the zone. So I, I really dove in um, to all that stuff. And like, honestly, it was a blessing and a curse. Like obviously I missed some time, um, but like I just learned, learned so much about myself as a pitcher um, that I'm going to take with me the rest rest of my career. So, yeah, just really learning about what what I do in my mechanics that that keeps me in the zone. And then, um, you know, throughout my rehab starts, um, just figuring out like some of the off speed stuff was a little inconsistent. So I almost think of my time down in Lakeland. I think I had five or six starts, kind of using that as like a spring training almost, just to kind of get back into things and get comfortable. Um, and get get all the Oscar stuff out in that way. When I came up here, I was I was ready to go, and 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 I think that plan's kind of kind of worked out. So you talk about that conservative approach, which of course you know any team's going to do with their with their prized pitching prospect there, and you know with the things that you had already shown prior to the injury, there was you know so many reasons to be excited and also careful with you, but being able to be somewhat healthy or pretty much healthy, but still being in that work mode, like you mentioned, what were some of those things that really clicked for you in that opportunity where, you know, COVID I felt like was a, was a really big stretch where a lot of guys had things click for them because they had no time or nothing to do other than really just hone in on their craft in a, in a world that was kind of paused, your baseball world was somewhat paused through that stretch of nine months. What were some of the biggest things that clicked for you, you know, as you kind of grew as a player during that stretch? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I've had around nine months or so off. So usually get five or so months over the off season, which I had, and then I had those, those few extra months. So I really kind of look at it as an extended off season. So I just got a, a ton of time to get as prepared as I could for when I made it back. And like I mentioned earlier, I just think the biggest thing were just the mechanical adjustments and learning my body, learning what I do well, learning the bad habits that creep in when things start to go sideways a little bit and being able to make 
adjustments easily. And, um, just like going through that process, I think yeah. like helped oh, so much. That's, that's not something I had last year. I came in right out of yeah. high school. Or I didn't really know much about pitching or about really anything besides the fact that I had a good arm and I would go up there yeah. and just, just try to compete. So yeah, I think I've grown, grown a ton, um, both mentally and physically. So, yeah. um, just try to keep going and continue learning and it'll be a never ending thing throughout my career. Just trying to pick apart what I did good and what I didn't do, do well and just go from there each other. So we're going to get into the mechanics and the arsenal and we'll get into the arsenal on this part of things as well, but on Streamyard as well, as we kind of break down some live ABs, but you know, a lot of the listeners in this podcast, like we, we tend to break down the mechanics and nerd out a little, a little bit. Maybe some people might not totally follow, but are there any like specific cues or things that you can talk about that, you know, kind of helped you have things click mechanically. You, you mentioned some of the things that helped you with the the consistency. What was it with you? Was it more the release point? Was it more, you know, an earlier point in your mechanics? Uh, was it lower half? Like wh- what did you feel like really clicked for you as you, as you just learned to pitch, like you said? Yeah, there, there are a few things that went into this, but it all points to getting all of my energy and all my direction going towards home plate. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of guys, including myself, and I really try to gear up. Um, you kind of try to tend to like pull off and mm-hmm. fall away towards um, first base side. And um, that was something that, that happened to me a little bit last year. And it, it ends up affecting, honestly, all your pitches. Um, so I realized that that was going on at times and just trying to pick apart and figure out the things that were going on that caused that to happen. Um, and just creating drills and things like that just to keep everything connected and keep all my energy uh, linear um was was a big thing for me and, and all this is stuff that i i wasn't aware of last year that i didn't understand so like i said going back to just how much i learned it's just it's it's made a huge difference it's a small sample size here, of course, because you're, you're just getting ramped back up in comparing to last year where you, know, you, you had plenty more innings. But you just look at the, the strike rates so far this year, especially on the breaking ball. I mean, you were kind of hovering around 58 percent on the strike rate of the breaking ball this year. Now you're up almost over 66 percent on that curveball, and and you've mixed in a cutter, which I'm excited to ask you about. And the changeup has been all around the zone across your entire arsenal, a strike rate, just under 70%. Is there one pitch where you've really felt that kind of command hit another level as you, you work towards home plate and, and, and talk about the things that you just kind of you know had click for you, or is it across the arsenal? Cause statistically it's across the arsenal, but I didn't know if there was one pitch where you've really seen that big time gain, you know, as, as you continue to roll with this new feel a little bit. Yeah. I think honestly the, the slider was, was the difference maker. Um, that's always like had good movement. Um, but I feel like there were times last year where guys were able to just see it and spit on it because I wasn't able to consistently land it in the zone. I wasn't able mm-hmm. to, executed with two strikes. So they, in their minds, were kind of eliminating it and then just yep. sitting on, sitting on the fastball. And, um, now this year it's a little different when I'm able to flip over OO breaking balls and even mm-hmm. one breaking ball after that and being able to double up and, and things like that. It just, it makes it a lot tougher for them to have an approach yep. because maybe they go up there and they want to get to the fastball early, but you go slider change up both for strikes and it puts them in a hole. So, it's all, it's all just pitching. Um, it's like a chess match up there, yeah. which, which has been so fun. Um, but 
it's also a lot easier when you're able to command the strike zone. Yeah. I'm smiling because for the stream yard portion of this, I pulled most, I think half of the at-bats I pulled were, were ones where you doubled up on secondaries early in the count. Cause I'm just like, I want to ask him about this, but yeah, for, for those who you know may not catch that stream yard aspect of it, or, or want to hear a little bit more about the arsenal breakdown, that's something I'm really interested to talk to you about too, because you mentioned how, you know, guys will shut down, kind of eliminate that breaking ball, hunt the fastball. And last year you had the change up kind of progressing, but I don't know if it was looking exactly like it is right now, which is you've mixed it in, you know, around 12% of the time, but when you throw it, man, it's looked really, really good. And then you've added the cutter as well. We'll start with the change up because I think it's an interesting one where I can't see the grip from these minor league video angles, but it does have an interesting shape and spin to it, which it's less than 2000 RPMs. I, I, I actually texted Mike Rothenberg who catches you in, in, in low a when you were in Lakewood. And I was like, does he throw a splitter? Like what's the grip on that? And he's like, you, you got to ask him. It's like, it's unique there. Can you talk a little bit about the changeup? Like I know it's maybe adjacent to a split grip is kind of what he said, but it's under 2000 RPMs. Like how do you, how do you grip that changeup? And you know, how have you found that consistency with it this year? Yeah, I actually, uh, I got a ball right here. So I can actually, oh, let's go. I, every single time I do these, I always say, damn it. I forgot to ask them to bring a ball. I'm so <laughs> pumped that you have a ball. So let's see it. I got them all over the place. So it's, it is like a, like a split change. Um, I throw it, throw it this way. But I don't, I don't necessarily try to rip like through both of these fingers. I kind of try to, chronate off of uh, this finger and let it all come off. But I think the, from my knowledge, I think the splitting of the fingers is what creates that spin um, under 2000, which is what gives it um, a little more depth. And then being able to pronate it and kind of give it some sideways spin helps to get a little bit of fade. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really weird grip and it was, it was pretty inconsistent last year, but like being able to, Obviously, I talked about however many bullpens I threw during rehab, like being able to just get comfortable with that. The changeup is such a such a feel pitch. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it really is for everyone. I kind of get the the slider and the cutter are, are pretty natural to me, but it's a changeup that I have to throw like pretty much every day to just have that have that feel for it. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a great pitch for me um, this year. So if I can just keep that shape and that feel consistent, then I think it's going to be a be a good pitch for me for did you have, quite a while. Did you have any inspiration behind that pitch? Cause I, I love the idea because every pitcher, most of them, there's always that the, the lucky ones who have that change up come easy to them. But I love the idea that the hardest pitch to consistently throw feel wise is generally the most dominant pitch. Once you find it, I mean, hitters, it's the hardest pitch to pick up as well. Did you have any inspiration behind that, that grip? Like I see some like Kevin Gosman adjacent type characteristics to it. I know he kind of holds it similarly. Uh, Was there anybody that kind of showed you that, or is that more of a generic type of grip now that's starting to take over the minor leagues? That's one area that I'm not as familiar with as we're seeing more splitters, but I, I know a lot of it comes from kind of inspiration or word of mouth and, and maybe philosophy throughout an organization. Yeah, for sure. There are, there are some nasty ones out there, but I, for the longest time through high school, um, I tried to throw a circle change and I just, for whatever so reason, hard. I just, I couldn't, yeah, dude, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And so I went to that grip, which I felt like, was a little easier for me. I didn't have to try to do so much out front with the mm-hmm. formation stuff. Um, but like when I first started throwing it, it was 
not very good. I didn't really throw it a ton in high school. And then um, I really had to figure it out last year. And it, it had times where it was, it was really good. And then times where it wasn't. And then um, as I just kept throwing it, I just kind of started to figure out what was going on out front with the good ones mm-hmm. versus the bad ones and trying to um, continue to have that same feeling and eliminate the bad ones. So, yeah, hopefully, I mean, like you said, it's such a fuel pitch. One day it can be there and one day it can't be. So um, I'm hoping that I have it for the record year for sure. Well, the last couple of starts I saw and the ones that we're going to break down, there's some, there's some damn good change-ups in there. And I'm excited to talk to you about that. And uh, you mentioned though, you hope you have it. You're, you're not going to have it every single start for the rest of your life. I mean, I hope you do, but just pitching wise, sometimes you got to pivot. And that's why the cutter is such an interesting part of it because that gives you another wrinkle now too. And, you know, I was reading uh, a conversation you had with, with Fangraphs. It was an awesome job by I think David Lorella, I believe. And, um, you know, you, you talked about how the Tigers specifically, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to remember my reading comp has you know, gotten washed up over the years, but I, it was something along the lines of wanting to kind of harp on the fastball, uh, the, the slider and, and the change up, but the cutter is that new pitch, but focusing on that three pitch mix, how has it been kind of adding that cutter to the fold? And do you feel like that gives you just another wrinkle where if the changeup's not there, I feel like the breaking ball is always there for you, but if the changeup's not there where you can go to the cutter a bit more in those starts, or have you not really even gotten to that point yet because it's so early with, with those four pitches? Yeah, um, for sure. We, we've had a lot of conversations about it and um, um, I'm still, you know, I've only had X amount of starts where I've used it. So we're kind of trying to figure out uh, where it plays, but I think kind of my process this year with my arsenal, trying to keep it simple, um, the fastball and the slider have always been the bread and butter. So I'm trying to utilize those two pitches as much as I can. And then once I feel like they've, shown that they can handle one of those pitches. Um, then that's when I come in and use, use the changeup or use the cutter, um, just to kind of get them off the fastball slider, um, sequencing. Um, but like our, my, my catcher down here has done a great job. Like we're on the same page, game planning and having conversations like that. So it makes it easy for me. Um, but like I said, still trying to figure it out. Um, and, I will, I will throw it, you know, early in counts and things like that, but it also just depends on what the hitters are doing, um, what I feel like they're looking for and, um, thing, things like that, but all part of just mine. It, what's amazed me is, you know, you, you've only thrown about 50 of them dating back to what I have, what I'm able to track from the rehab starts, but just pounding the zone with that cutter as well. You mentioned how it comes a little bit easier. A lot of guys that, kind of grip it similarly or throw it similarly to a fastball, just with the grip kind of doing the work for them. Is that what it is for you? And it, does it feel like it just kind of came naturally because this is a relatively new pitch for you. It's in the low nineties. It's got good movement to it and, and late movement to it. I, I saw that. You, I love the quote that you had, which was like, I don't want to compare myself to this guy, but yeah. it just, just the pitch shape in a vacuum, nothing else, which I really appreciated that is similar to DeGrom. Of course, you got to take from the best. Like it, I wouldn't want you to say that, you know, Oh, this pitch looks like a guy with a 10 ERA who pitched for six months in the bigs. Like that wouldn't want to be with who you want to model it after, but is, can you explain a little bit to how that low nineties cutter can be similar to a a DeGrom type and, and why that's, you know, what you wanted to achieve and what that achieves for you? Yeah. So I think the, or the, the whole reason behind adding the cutter for me was 
had some issues last year with the big slider, um, landing it in the zone. And uh, I, I had been able to get good movement on it. So I knew that I could supinate well. And um, I kind of talked with a little bit with the Tigers and they said it was up to me whether I wanted to, to add that or not. And I was like, okay. And then I went into the off season and um, was kind of toying around with it. And it came pretty natural to me. So um, I stuck with it and it's a little shorter than my slider and, and harder. So it's, it's a lot easier for me to land in the zone. Um, so that was my biggest thing um, about adding that. And then I got into looking at different types of cutters. I was looking at, Walker Bueller's. I was looking at the Grom's slider. Um, trying to think. I think those were two of the biggest guys. You Darvish. I looked at him a little bit, but I think his is a little slower. Um, and yeah, the biggest thing for me was I wanted to throw it as hard as I could with as much um, break horizontally to the glove side as I could. And um, like I mentioned, talking to him, I don't ever want to consider myself anywhere close to being on Jacob Degrom's level, but. Um, at times, our our um, my cutter and his slider are are similar and throwing it well. So it's definitely encouraging for for me to see and gives me more confidence in it. But yeah, um, you got to be able to execute it, and I still got to learn, you know, when to throw it and and where to throw it. So. Walker Bueller was a good was a good poll. I'm, I'm not sure you would know, but he's on the Just Baseball Show, our our flagship podcast, every Monday, and we break down his arsenal and things like that. And you know, he was getting into the cutter and how that really was a differentiator for him too. Um, you know, as he works back now and and actually should be making a uh, an appearance against some live batters very soon now to get back on the bump. But that cutter seems to be a differentiator for some guys that really find it because you talked about it out shorter. You can spot it for a strike consistently and just gives you another wrinkle and another way out, especially to erase those hitters counts uh, before we wrap up and head over to Streamyard, I kind of wanted to just date backwards real quick and, and go all the way back to the draft where I think it was kind of wild. We didn't really know exactly how the top few picks were going to shake out. And you end up going, you know, as, as early, I think, as anybody would have, would have thought you would went. And, and a lot of people were very excited about that because of exactly what we're seeing from you on the mound now. Did you have any idea how early you could go in that draft? I'm sure you had an idea that there was a chance. But when did it start to become real that you could be one of the first players selected overall in the entire draft? I mean, that's pretty impressive as a high school arm. And you talk about, you know, all, all that comes with the territory of concerns and being protective over high school arms. Like you got to be damn good uh, to convince a team to take you that early. Uh, when did it become a reality for you that you could be, you know, not only the first arm selected, but one of the first players selected in that draft? Yeah, I think it was like probably halfway through my senior year season. Um, when they, all those, um, websites started coming out with the rankings and the mock drafts and everything. And I, I really had no idea, no idea. My, my agent or advisor at the time was, was really good at, at keeping that noise kind of away from me and just letting me focus on going out there and yeah. pitching. It honestly came really fast to me because I started pitching relatively late. Um, it kind of came on the, on the scene pretty late. It seems like so. Yeah, I mean, it, it happened really fast, and um, I think it was it was unlike. Um, I think the last person or the last high school prep pitcher to go the top five or whatever was Hunter Green. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was it was going to be hard to make my way up that up that ladder. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was super grateful for it, and 
like I said, it all just happened so fast. So I can protecting it. <laughs> number three, number three overall, you know, out of Oklahoma. And, and that's, there's probably some other fun facts about that. When the last time, uh, you know, Oklahoma high schooler was picked in the top five, or I don't, I don't have that in front of me, but I'm sure there's some, some crazy numbers around that. You mentioned pitching later. Uh, when did you really start focusing in on just pitching? Uh, yeah, it was probably the summer going into my senior year. Wow. Um, junior year, junior year was, uh, the COVID year for me. And I'd actually done, I had done a good bit of pitching work, uh, work, um, throughout quarantine. Um, but as far as getting into games competitively, it was going into my, going into my senior year. Uh, and I had always played shortstop and that's what my dad wanted me to do. And, um, and I loved it. I was pretty decent. I'd like to think so, but pitching just came so like natural to me. So it was, it was honestly a no brainer when that started clicking. Were you getting looks, you know, obviously not to the same level, but, but were you getting some serious looks as a position player? And, um, you know, what, what obviously being dominant on the mound helps make that move, you know, pretty easy, but was there that level of like, Oh, I still think I can do this, you know, in the field too. Like I'm pretty good out here. Yeah, I was, I was signed to Ole Miss, to be a two way, but oh, nice. I think I would have ended up definitely being, being a pitcher. Um, but no, when the, when the pitching stuff happened, I was just so far ahead of where I was as a position player with not having put even close to the amount of work in. So it was kind of like, all right, I'm just yeah. accept this and roll with it. Did you feel like that, that athleticism, you know, just even being able to play shortstop at a high school level and, and just playing in the field like that, did you feel like that that's really helped you still today? We talk about DeGrom, a guy that played shortstop at Stetson. There's a lot of really good pitchers out there that, you know, you know Josiah Gray played shortstop in at LeMoyne College. Like a lot of these guys that are really athletic pitchers were, you know, guys who played in the field. You feel like that that's a big part of why you're able to repeat your mechanics so well and, and, and adjust and learn so quickly. Yeah, without a doubt, honestly. And I played, I played a lot of football my whole life, so I think like doing anything athletic, I feel like just helps you get the body in sync, mm-hmm. everything work on time. And like I still every day during my catch play, I throw myself the ball. I'm I'm throwing like I'm at shortstop, so I like to keep that same mentality. I feel like it helps you from trying to overcomplicate things yeah. within your career for sure. So I love that. I love that. Last question for you before we jump over to StreamYard for about 15 minutes or so. What are your goals for the rest of the year? Of course, it's build up innings, keep doing what you're doing. But do you have any personal goals, personal things you're focusing on? And, you know, for when you look back at the end of the season in, in a couple months here and say, like, you know, this went the way that, you know, I wanted it to go. Yeah, I try to think about moving levels. Um, I try not to play GM on that end and try to just control what I can control. So I think the biggest thing for me is just keep doing what I'm doing. Like I want to, I want to continue to attack the zone. Like I don't walk guys. I think everyone can agree that walks are like one of the worst things that pitcher can do. They, they always seem to find a way to score. Like however it is, it seems like they always do. Um, don't want to keep, you know, striking guys out. Um, but I think that just goes hand in hand with, with pounding the zone. So, um, like, like I said earlier, I want to make up for some lost time. So I definitely yeah. want to, I definitely want to dominate the rest of this year for however many starts I have left. And then uh, just kind of go from there and see where I'm at. Well, you're, you're doing that. I think you're doing a great job of making up for lost time. And it's it's been a lot of fun to watch you on the mound, dude. 
Let's jump over to StreamYard. Really excited to now watch you on the mound with you here and, and break it down. But thanks so much for taking the time on the podcast side and, and the StreamYard side. And you know, really excited to watch you the rest of this year, man. And best of luck the rest of the way. For sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.